Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Jeffskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel, he wrote so many songs. Some fast, some slow, and some go on too long. All the hits and hidden gems, even the turds, it ends at Z, not A. With your friends, Elon and Dave. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. Today, we are talking with someone we mentioned on the podcast when talking about the song Rosalinda, not Rosalinda's Eyes, Damn It. We spoke about possibly getting him on the show, and lo and behold, we were lucky enough to get him. He has been in the rock and roll business for a long time and is considered a rock historian, which is certainly what we're looking for when doing a podcast of a guy that hasn't written a new song in 30 years. He has produced and hosted multiple music news concert series that we've all probably seen and didn't realize there was a rock legend behind them. He has written two books about the Beatles, and his most recent book is self-explanatory entitled Get the Let Out, How Led Zeppelin Became the Biggest Band in the World. And... He produces the audio show, Get the Lead Out, with the legendary New York DJ, Carol Miller, who's so legendary, at least around these parts, it's actually called Carol Miller's Get the Lead Out. And if you don't think that's something, then you can listen to episode number 2219 of Carol Miller's Get the Lead Out, which will come out this week. And judge for yourself, take that, Scott Ackerman, with your 754 Comedy Bang Bang podcasts. Not even close. Our guest's own podcast is entitled The Rock Podcast with Denny Somak and can be found on his website and other streaming platforms. But most of all, for our purposes, he may be credited, as we spoke about three songs ago, with setting Billy Joel's amazing trajectory on its lovely way. Please welcome to the show, rock historian superstar, Denny Somak, everybody. Hi, guys. Hello, Denny. Hey, Denny. Nice to be here. Yes, it's very nice to meet you finally. Where are you guys located? We're in New York City. We're both oh, okay. comedians in New York. Oh, okay. What about you? Do you still live in Pennsylvania? I'm in South Florida right now. Oh, Boynton <laughs> Beach. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Why would I want to be up there? I have no right, idea. Right, I right now. I'm right with now. you 100% on that. Yes. Yeah, it's like I Miami just, 2017. Yeah. Were you down there in 2017? Uh, yeah, I was. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you've done so much. I didn't know. I wasn't sure if you still do uh, producing, uh, you know, down. you're still doing Carol Miller's. I know I created of- the show and I produced created. it for the first several years. Uh, and then I wrote the book and then I, I did, you know, a bunch of other things. Were, were you- it happens to still be on the air in New York. I don't know how, how it is around the country, but yeah, in the first uh, first five or six years. Well, I know you were working with obviously Carol Miller. I know you've also worked with Scott Muni. Right. So were you working a lot with the staff of or the DJs of WNEW? Were you here in New York or that's just. Yeah, I spent a lot of time. I was actually doing some promotional work for a couple of different uh, program directors there. So I spent a lot of time with the people at the station and I worked with Scott on my Beatles radio show, which was called Ticket to Ride. That lasted about uh, 11, 12 years. Scott was the host of that. And that, that's my favorite show of all time. Yeah, well, he had that great right now with the hooky yeah. dookie. And, and we had uh, we had Billy Joel on a couple of times. You did? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. So are you guys friendly? I mean, ever, I mean, does he 
credit you with uh, making things go ahead in his way of. <laughs> I don't know. I, I never discussed it with him. No, no. No. So you recently discovered the tape from that Roxy show, which we'll talk about. And were you able to get in touch with Billy Joel after that to say, hey, I found this tape of this of your first headlining gig ever? Uh, I didn't. But some other people who knew him told me they were going to. But I don't know. I mean, he's a pretty busy guy, right? He remembers Allentown. There's no question. And he remembers the Roxy. And if you've heard any of the comments that I've played on on different uh, podcasts, uh, you can tell how excited he was. Uh, I mean, actually, he was uh, gobsmacked, probably. Really? <laughs> I mean, the, res- the response was was just incredible. Uh, to this day, I remember every minute of it. And that's why I recorded that tape. And, you know, I, I had one of those first stereo cassette players that Sony put out that you could put in your car and then take it out. So I took it out of my car. I put it right on the stage because I could. I was the promoter. And I figured I got to have a copy of this show. Sure enough, recorded it. I got everything, both shows. I missed the encore of the second show because I only had one hundred minute cassette. (laughs) And I flipped it over to catch the last song in the first show. And therefore, I ran out of tape. And the encore of the second show was was totally different from anything he's ever done. So but anyway, (laughs) I played the tape for other people. I played it. Oh, this is great. I love it. And then, you know, I threw it in a box because who was Billy Joel? He, he had just put out, um, I mean, he he had put out Cold Spring Harbor and, and nothing happened. He had done, as you guys know, he had done two albums with the Hassles, one with Attila. And really, this Piano Man coming out was his last shot. If he hadn't gotten anywhere with this album, I don't know where he would have been. So uh, about a, a few years ago, I was in the process of going through my archives, finding all sorts of cool stuff. And I saw this cassette and all it said was um, BJ at Roxy. And I had no idea what it was. And I put it on and bingo. It was, it was like, I went right back and it was amazing. And the sound was just as great as I remembered. Yeah. On YouTube, there's like a 20 minute cut of it. So you have the full version, but you've just released, I guess, a small part of it. Is that how it is? Well, yeah, I don't want to put the whole thing out. It's, uh, you know, because what what actually may happen and what I know is being talked about, which is why I didn't want to go into too much about his, is he may end up playing it on his serious show or they may want to issue it as like uh, an official bootleg, authorized bootleg. Wow. So we don't know. We'll see. That'd be amazing. I mean, just from what you've released, like you were saying, the audience response, it's so amazing to hear how genuine Billy Joel is and how shocked he is. Like he plays... She's got away. And then afterwards, he says, God damn, you know that record? That's weird. Like, yeah, you can't and, believe he has people who actually like him. Yeah. And when he he would do that a couple of times when he was uh, opening act for the Doobies and the Beach Boys, and he would get booed. So, you know, <laughs> he, he stopped doing the songs from Gold Spring Harbor. It was only in Allentown where he ran out of songs. I'll give you the quick background on it. I saw him at a broadcast college broadcasting convention in 1971. In New York City, uh, it was at that hotel across from uh, Madison Square Garden. I don't know what it's called right. today. The, the the New York Hotel Pennsylvania. And, yeah, that's it. And anyway, there were a few acts that were there to promote the you know to college uh, radio broadcasters, and it was uh, Todd Rundgren and the Hello People. Uh, there was uh, Randy Burns and the Sky Dog Band, uh, Jake and the Family Jewels. Um, I also saw at the convention. Uh, Loggins and Messina, 
who had just come out. Uh, who's the, uh, she did Delta Dawn. She was married to Glenn Campbell. She was 14 at the time. I can't remember her name now. Anyway, uh, and then this guy, uh, Billy Joel, comes out, sits down at the piano, does 30 minutes, and I'm absolutely blown away. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And, you know, he got nice applause, and that was the end of it. And I had gotten a copy of Cold Spring Harbor, and I started to play it on the station, the college station I was on, but I was also doing some air work on a radio station called WSAN, which was located in Allentown back in the day when you could play whatever you wanted. So I played that record like crazy. The other people on the air at the station loved it. They started playing it. And I actually got really pissed because the record was getting beat up and couldn't find it anywhere. It was on an obscure label called Family Records, distributed, distributed by Paramount Records. Okay. At that time, the only thing Paramount was known for was the uh, Elton John Friends soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> and I, and I think uh, Commander Cody in the Lost Planet Airmen. But um, that, so that album came out and died. And I'm sure as you guys probably know, it was mastered at the wrong speed. So it didn't actually sound as good as it could. Um, but we played it and he became a superstar in Allentown. So we started doing these, uh, these low cost concerts in this 500 seat theater called the Roxy theater, which was an old vaudeville theater. The sound was amazing. I called up his agent, Chip Rackland. Chip says to me, Billy Joel, what are you kidding? No one's ever called for this guy. First of all, I don't even know where he is. He is album didn't happen. He got really pissed. He went off to California. So I don't know what he's doing, but if I ever hear from him, I'll let you know. Year and a half later, I get a call. Denny, Chip Racklin. How you doing? I said, fine. He goes, well, guess what? Billy Joel's coming out. He's got a new album. He's going on tour. It's the opening act on the Beach Boys, Doobie Brothers, and a couple other whatever. He's, you know, acts that I handle. But he's got one day off, November 27th. Uh, you want him? You can have him. I said, absolutely, I want him. He's a superstar here. I mean, he, he had really no concept of how big Billy was, but it didn't matter. He had a day off. And he said, okay, well, actually, this is good because we've been debating here at the agency whether or not Billy should even be doing these opening dates on these big tours because he's getting booed and this and that. And he hasn't really headlined by himself other than little clubs in the area. He hasn't headlined anywhere. So this would be his first headline gig. We'd like to see how well he does. I said, okay, well, uh, we got him. Uh, you got to do two shows. He said, okay. Uh, he said, but you got to do me a favor. He says, well, what are you going to pay him? And I said, I, I'll pay him $500 for both shows. And he said, uh, okay, but you have to put Henry Gross on as the opening act. So I said, sure. How much is that going to cost me? He said, $250. So for $750, I had Billy and Henry Gross doing two shows. <laughs> Sold out in minutes. People going nuts. Unexpected event happened. I had Billy on my local on my show in Allentown and I was doing the afternoons and then I would go over to the theater because we used to do these concerts on a regular basis. So I finished the interview and as I'm getting done, his road manager goes, um, and I, I remember like it was yesterday, he came driving up in a, in a white station wagon, comes in with his road manager. Road manager says, road manager says, listen, I just got a call. There's a problem with the piano at the theater. I got to go do me a favor. Will you drive Billy over to the theater? Sure. No problem. We get done. We get in my car, uh, my 1970 green Dodge Challenger, and we drive to Northampton, which was uh, right outside of Allentown, 
And since I knew how to go, I took sort of the back way. And if you go the back way, you go through Bethlehem, where Bethlehem Steel was and all the other factories. And, you know, just like the song, it's identical to the song. And he kept going. He goes, well, where are we? And I I said, well, the theater, we're at Allentown, but the theater is actually in Northampton. But and I kept telling him, they're going to love you. They're going to know every song. And he's looking at me like, yeah, okay. well, I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Anyway, we get there. He sees there's a crowd out front waiting already, even though it was sold out just to get a good seat because it wasn't assigned seating. And I said, and afterwards, people are going to you know, want to get your autograph. And he's like, this is ridiculous. He walks in. There's a sign that says, welcome, piano man, you know, to the Roxy. But he looks at it. He goes, wow, no one's ever given me a sign before. This is like, you know, so I said, well, look, uh, you go do what you have to do. I'll check on everything else and have a good show. I'll see you at intermission. So I, you know, went out, got my tape player, put it on the stage and Usually you would sit uh, uh, one of the last seats in the first couple of rows in case there was a problem and I had to get to backstage. And he came out, did this amazing show. He he played, since we're talking about it, he played a song called Rosalinda, which he said was about his mother. And of course, he's never officially recorded that song, as you guys know, and no relation to that other Rosalinda's Eyes song. So he he played that. And, and, and I was sort of excited because I had seen him play that at the original showcase. One of the other things he played was he was between songs and he played this song, which I didn't realize at the time, obviously, because it didn't come out till two albums later. He played Root Beer Rag. And he says, uh, that's just something we've been fooling around with. I don't know. Someday I'll turn it into a song. And you know, so anyway, finishes the first show. There's 50 people waiting to get his autograph. He can't believe it. He's like, just unbelievable. Second show comes and you got to remember he's an opening act. He's got a brand new band. They only rehearse the new album. There's no reason, you know, and Billy would do a couple solo of the uh, whatever, but they didn't know any of the songs really from the first album. So Billy does his set and it's about 34 minutes. Cause that's all he was used to doing was a 30 minute set and the crowd's going crazy and they want, and he goes, wait a minute. Um, and his drummer, Reese Clark, says to him, uh, manager says, you got 15 more minutes you got to do. And he goes, well, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't have any more songs. So uh, I'll do this one because it's from, you know, Cold Spring Harbor. Anybody know that album? And of course, the place goes nuts. And I, I forget whether he did. She's got away or whatever it was that he played. And he goes, I really I have no more songs. The band doesn't know anything. They don't know the first album. I could either start over or I can <laughs> let's try this. And he goes into 15 minutes of cover songs. Uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John, wow. something by Joe Cocker. Uh I think I think he might have done a Beatles song. And the place again went nuts. Same thing, people waiting to get his autograph. He just could not believe it. Now, the next day, I got this later years later from Chip Rackland. He said, we had such a fight in the office because I said to everybody, see, I told you, Billy's got a headline on his own and blah, blah, blah. And from that day on, we decided as soon as this block of dates is over, we're going to just do theaters and small places, you know, and he'll headline because that's what he needs to do. So that's the story. And then uh, having the tape was just a bonus because I had pretty much forgotten about it. 
So you did set him on his way. Yeah. I mean, he came back and played Allentown. I couldn't afford to book him because when he came back, he cost like, I don't know, $1,500. He was playing 800 seaters, thousand seaters. So I lost out to the other local promoter. And, um, he came back to Allentown many times in those days. And again, Chip told me that, uh, when they needed some money, they would just play somewhere in Allentown because they knew it was a guaranteed sellout. Oh, that's funny. Is, and is this- so, the, you know, that's where the song came from. I know he originally was going, going to call it Levittown, um, but it was based on that journey in my car. Because if, you know, if you just look what's there and you go to the song, it's identical. So nine years later, when you hear the song Allentown for the first time, were you just like blown away that he actually like wrote a song about that? And then you're, did you realize right away this is because of that car ride? Uh, I didn't immediately. I just thought, you know, didn't take me more than a, a few seconds, though. But yeah, after a little bit, I said, gee, I wonder if that had anything to do with. And I remember seeing either in an interview or one of the books or whatever. He said, yeah, Allentown holds a special place for us because that was the first place where we really got recognized. And we always had a great uh, crowd there. So, um, you know, I decided to call the song Allentown. And, and know, I remember he... people thought initially it was a negative hit on the town and they didn't understand it. But they declared uh, Billy Joel Day in Allentown. And I became so well known that uh, on the anniversary, they declared Denny Somak Day in Allentown. By then I was living <laughs> somewhere else. So I came back. They gave me the key to the city. And every couple of years they write a big story and it gets and it goes out there. And, you know. I, I just uh, on the on the recent anniversary, I don't know, it was the 40th anniversary, 45th, whatever it was. They did another story and that sparked more interest. And here we are today. Denny, does that the concert that you did, does that predate or was it after the WMMR concert in that it Pennsylvania was, area? OK, it was uh, uh, shortly after that. But if you remember, the WMMR concert was a radio concert in Sigma yeah. Sound Studios. There was 30 people. There wasn't a real right. concert. Yeah, there wasn't a... Yeah. yeah, yeah. but this is... And in fact, most of the people from MMR came down to the Roxy show because uh, they were the only other ones that that knew about him. And I had told Ed Shockey about him because I wasn't working in Philly then, but I would see Ed and I, I was friendly with him. And he said, yeah, I've heard of this guy. And he was the other guy that really got into him. Uh, in the early days, but um, uh, between that, um, that really that really busted it open for him. That's absolutely fascinating. I I know that um, you know we don't want to keep you very long, so I just have a couple of other questions about you. Sure. Did you st- start or have something to do with Friday Night Videos? Yeah, I was the co-creator. You were uh, the co-creator. Yeah, along with a guy named John McGann. Uh, what happened was. I was working at NBC radio uh, John had been the head of programming there. And he, uh, this is when, uh, you know, the whole video MTV had just started uh, and night tracks had already been on TBS. I don't know, know if you're aware of that night tracks was TV WTBS, the superstation played videos from midnight to six. That was pre MTV. So, and I had a local show in Philly called the rock and roll show that I did with another DJ And we just played rock videos and did interviews. Uh, So we had, you know, some experience in that. So anyway, my friend happens to run into Brandon Tartikoff in the hall at NBC. And, you know, when you run into somebody like that, as you guys probably know, you do your pitch. So he pitched him on a, uh, something that John and I had talked about. Why why isn't there a national show with videos? MTV's taken off. We could add interviews. 
And he pitched it. Next thing you know, he's uh, calls me up and says, Hey, I, I think if we can come up with a format for this thing, I, I got a chance to pitch it. And sure enough, he pitched it and they, they gave it to uh, Dick Ebersol, who had been one of the producers of Saturday night live to produce. Yeah. Uh, and he came in and then John was the, uh, was the original um, uh, coordinating producer, producer, whatever they are. And, you know, I was um, doing, and not only was I involved in the production, but I started the interviews. The first interview we had was Robert Plant. And I did that interview and I don't know which show it was on because we didn't do interviews on the very first show, but after uh, several uh, episodes, we started to include interviews. So yeah, See, Alon, that's, Alon that's, is uh, young. He doesn't realize how unbelievable that show was. Yeah, especially for a lot of people that didn't have MTV because their cable provider didn't provide it. So Friday night videos took the place a lot of Letterman on Friday night, right at twelve thirty, and showed music videos, which a lot of people couldn't see around the country. It was huge. Yeah, yeah, you know uh, your stuff. Yeah, of course. Well, actually, Danny, I was actually on the show years later because it lasted for years way after you didn't need Friday night videos anymore. And MTV was everywhere. And I was on it as a comedian one time and I came by and they filmed it on the Conan set. And I said, wow, I can't believe I'm on Friday night videos. And I was doing an invitation coming up bills for village hall. And they cut me out because they thought I was disrespecting the show when I was the only one that remembered where it started from. Okay. I'll tell you something else. I don't think, Oh, it's no big deal. And I don't think he'll mind if I tell it. Uh, the guy that wrote the theme music, they had the turning thing. And the I know stuff. it in my head. Yeah, he was at that time. Uh, I had met him He's a friend of mine. He was uh, trying to get a record deal. and I was trying to help him get, get a, a record deal. He had a great demo tape. His name was John Leffler. And he wrote the music for that. He later went on to do Pokemon and all of this stuff. But oh, I just wow. found out not too long ago. Uh, that he's now the president of RCA Records in New York. Or BMG no way. Yeah. I went like, that's it. I, I totally and, remember. And, and, the, and the voice was a guy named Nick Michaels, who I had used on my show. That guy shows. was a genius. He was one of the best. He was the NBC News, NBC News tonight. You know, he was. That's why it was so memorable. Coming up videos from Michael Jackson, Billy Joel. Like it was a news guy. Yeah, it was weird, but it was awesome. Notable. Tonight on Friday Night Videos, brand new videos from Billy Joel and Cheap Trick, Def Leppard, John Cougar, Madness, a video vote between Robert Plant and ZZ Top, with a free Friday Night Videos t-shirt given away every 15 seconds during the voting, classic videos from Tom Petty and Santana, a private reel on Loverboy, plus Elvis Costello, Peter Schilling, Peter Gabriel, Olivia Newton-John and the Pretenders. We did a lot of crazy stuff like that, but you know what? They, they, we were working for the adults, so we just had fun. I mean, you know, I was in my early twenties then, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was uh, that was fantastic. Thank you for putting that together. It brings me <laughs> a lot of good memories. 
And uh, and just the last thing before Alon has something, I just noticed that Mickey Dolans did the forward to your Beatles book. Oh, yeah. Friendly Thanks for him. reminding me. By the You're way, welcome. Billy Joel is in the book. His recollections of the Beatles are in really. Yeah. So you can get it That's at right. Amazon anywhere. So walk down online. Abbey Road. Walk down Abbey Road. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's different people's recollections of the Beatles and Billy's are great because he talks about uh, two great stories. One, you know, obviously seeing them on the Ed Sullivan show and, and just like, wow, I can't believe it. These that's what I want to do. There's this guy, this group, they write their own stuff. They play their own music. And the other story was him telling me how his big regret in life was he didn't get a chance to see uh, to meet John Lennon. In fact, he didn't even know if John Lennon knew who he was, but he later found out after John was shot years later that John because used to row a boat in Cold Spring Harbor. And one of the guys that worked for him said, we pointed your house out to him. So he knew who you were. And Billy, I, I, I was like, I can't believe it. You know? I actually, uh, your latest podcast guest with John Waite, who I was yeah. always a very big fan of. And in 1980 four or five after missing you i for some reason was with his band uh, and john Waite was per we i don't know we got to know each other right and his band had been performing with john lennon just before he died on that last album it was like a little connection there i don't know why that's what made me think of it when you mentioned it yeah but john Waite I mean, somehow somehow he got to meet john Lennon before billy joel did <laughs> probably uh, i you know i love john Waite. i think he's great and me too heard the show we we had a had a great time, and I want to remind your your listeners uh, go to the Rock Podcast uh, with Denny Somak, or just go to my website, which is dennysomak.com. In fact, if you want to see old clips and interviews uh, on my website, I've got because when I was doing this local show in Philly, this TV thing, we got any guests we want because there was no place to go. So we have Bono's first American interview of you too. Wow, like nineteen years old. And he's explaining how the group got their name. And, you know, and I remember we did the interview with him and then we had to drive them because they didn't, you know, big entourage. I drove them to a place called the Bijou Cafe where they were playing and watched you two perform in front of 20 people. Wow. Unbelievable. Imagine? That's so amazing. It's like I've, I was thinking of your you have that the music was it, it's called the music news of 81 with Mark Goodman. What, no, how the, the news that rocked 81 yeah. The news that rocked 81. I was watching it. Um, I saw a clip of it on YouTube and they say, well, we're excited about 1982 because we're going to get the third Boston album. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> that didn't happen for another six years. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But, you know, you get you get to predict stuff. So, well, you are a really cool guy, Denny Somak. It's very well, enjoyable. I'm having a great time. I, I see you guys are too. You're doing a show about something you love. How many episodes have you done so far? We're up to about probably about 111 or 112 by the time this one comes out. So right. we just finished the R's. So we're and yet we have so many more songs to do because he has a lot of S's. Right. And there's a lot of songs in the T's. So, yeah. but we're kind of sad about ending. We wish Billy Joel had written more songs, <laughs> yeah. which is why oh, we do what episodes. Are you with Zanzibar? Is that where we're ending? Yeah. We'll end on Zanzibar. Don't spoil it, Denny. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but that's why we do episodes about songs like Rosalinda that no one's ever heard because right. we just want to have more things to talk about because uh, it, it's so much fun. Did you know the story that that was about his mother? Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, well, we knew as we did the research for the song and, um, you know, and I think it's a loving kind of song about his mom because he's thinking mm -hmm. about how sad she is and he's writing it from a loving place. Dave right. thinks he's really putting her down like you're alone with your cat and a silent telephone. And you don't even know how to dance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
which is odd because then we said in Rosalinda's eyes, she somehow learns how to dance. So I don't know what is happening over there in that Joel household. Ilan asked the ultimate question. If you of course, we, yeah, we have to ask what your favorite Billy Joel song is. Well, uh, you know, obviously I, I should say Allentown, but uh, I'm going to say um, probably she's got away just because it mesmerized me because you were there when, and I was there. I saw, I saw it when it it couldn't have been written more than a few months before that. Right. Uh, And I saw him perform it by himself and it just, you know, so I would say, I I would say out of all the guests we have, that's the best answer we've ever gotten because it meant so much to you, you know, because you were there, you experienced, you helped him. I mean, it's, yeah, I was figuring it would be a song that he would have played at that concert for sure. Yeah, because you really have a strong connection with it. That's awesome. That's great. That's well, uh, that's my Billy Joel story. It's an awesome story. It's amazing. Yeah. I really feel he owes you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, have you uh, have you guys ever met him? No, no. no I, I've actually met him once at after Saturday Night Live party. We've okay. talked about this and yelled at him because I had a gambling problem <laughs> and I was on the phone and he was talking to. I was trying to get the scores. This is back in right. the nineties. And I'm like, I'm trying to use the phone and, and right. he's like, what's with this guy? So I blew my chance, but uh, we're hoping sometime again, it'll all work out that maybe he'll be our final guest on the podcast. Right. But I don't well, know. check out the, the, the YouTube video that I put up with excerpts from the concert. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have video back then. But boy, if I had, it would have been oh, my God, amazing. Right. But luckily, I got the audio and it really is a, a snapshot in time. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. It's a real historical thing. It's it's amazing that you have that uh, saved. Yeah, thank you for that too. So Denny Somak and his his website was a podcast called The Rock Podcast with Denny Somak, and all of that is at dennysomak.com. He is a rock historian and a very helpful person for this show, as you know, as he has told the story, helped Billy Joel get find his mojo, as one <laughs> might say. So Denny, thank you so much. And oh, thank has- you guys for asking me. I uh, I love talking about uh, uh, Billy. Actually, all kinds of classic rock, but uh, I appreciate it. It's yeah, we probably like my favorite talk- subjects. We'd probably like to talk more. I know Alan would like to talk more about Led Zeppelin and things like that. But uh, well, for when you time. when you start doing Led Zeppelin, hey, does he give me a call? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> might be the next one. <laughs> okay, Denny Zomek on Billy Joel A to Z. For many of you. Friday Night Videos will be your first experience with music video. A new form allowing you to see what in the past you could only hear. From all about soul, way down to Zanzibar. It's still rock and roll, though we don't play no guitar. Billy Joel A to Z